You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. I want to talk to you all this morning for a few minutes about um, a kind of... uh, Tales is a tale enough of what I shared last week about knowing times and knowing seasons, and that's really, really important. And I think any people that would um, not know the time or season that they're in, is they're really susceptible to be duped or deceived by the spirit of the age, the enemy. And so we want to be wise people, amen, that we, we know the times and seasons we're in. But I also think it's important, I know it's important, I'm going to show you some things from the Word, that actually we're called... Uh, to be just in general, not just times and seasons, but in general, to be a knowing people. God's never wanted his people to be ignorant of anything. Um, And you can read several times in Paul's writings, and he says, for I don't want you to be ignorant of this. And it it oftentimes seems like the thing he says you don't he doesn't want us to be ignorant of is the thing the church often is most ignorant of, Satan's devices and concerning spiritual things or spiritual gifts or things along those, along those lines. And so I don't want to be one who's ignorant. Well, if you understand, and we understand that we have the spirit that knows everything, that lives on the inside of us and is freely given to us and will freely reveal all things to us. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to know everything uh, before we die, but it does mean we should be in pursuit of knowing everything he has to offer. Yeah. You know, the point in when we stop seeking for increased knowledge, revelation, is when we die. And the Bible says then that when that which is perfect has come, which is talking about a new glorified body, when that has come, and it says prophecy will cease, tongues will cease, and it says that knowledge will cease. So there's going to come a point when I don't exactly know when it is, but from what I understand, when we have a new glorified body, when we won't need to pursue knowledge anymore. It doesn't mean that we won't know, but we will just know. We will know. We won't have to pursue it. We'll just know. But until then, we should be moving towards the peeling back and the revealing of the things of God. You could just say it like that, the things of God. And when I think about all that I do know, I've heard it said like this before, that the more I know, the less I know. And it's like, you know, I'm at a point in my life now to where even in the past few years, God's revealed so much to me. And I'm thinking, if you reveal that much to me in just a few years, and my understanding and even my capacity at this moment is to understand is, is limited, and I, I keep having to stretch my capacity, if God's revealed X, Y, Z to me, how much more does he have? Because, see, we know in part and we prophesy in part. We don't know everything, but there should be the decision, the desire to continue to gain not just like knowledge, like you read something like a book so you, you understand it, but where the Spirit of God reveals things to you. Because it has been given for us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. That is given to us. He's told us we're supposed to have that. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, around verse, I think, 17, somewhere in there, it says, Do not be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. And it's, it's interesting. We just live in a day and age where... Um, I think we have a lot of knowledge, but we don't have a lot of revelation. We have a lot of information, but we don't have a lot of revelation. And what we need more than anything is not more information. You can get information all day long, 
Um, what we need more than anything is revelation, and that can only come from the Spirit of God. And when you talk about the revealing, and even the, the book of Revelation, uh, not plural, but Revelation, even when you see the book of Revelation, what that word means, it's like a, a apocalypto or something like that in the Greek, and it means a peeling back or a pulling back of the curtains. It's a revealing. And so it's like when we get saved, the curtains get cracked open, and we have a little bit of like, oh, I can, I can see some glory. I have a little bit of understanding. But oftentimes the problem is, is we stop right there with just a crack in the curtains. And what we need to do is continue to peel those curtains back all the way for the rest of our life because there's so much in, in terms of God and who he is that we do not yet know or understand and even on some things even have con, even any kind of concept of. Uh, four years ago, I had almost no concept of what it meant to have prophetic dreams, and now we have um, dreams all the time in this church. And so God's opened our eyes up. He's revealed that to us. And I think, how, what do we not know in terms of, think about this, ask the question this way, what do, and make it personal, what do I not know about God's love? What do I not know about worship? I mean, when you think about the fact that in heaven, it talks about encircling his throne day and night, and every time the elders encircle the throne, they lay their crowns down at his feet. You know, when we think about it in the natural mind, you think, well, first of all, I'd get dizzy if I kept circling the throne. And second of all, you know, I mean, I mean, what do I do? Pick it up every time and then lay it back down when I, you know, and then pick it up the next time. I mean, there's a lot of questions about that stuff, right? And nonstop, they're worshiping him. We can't even handle nonstop worship. I push it to the limits. I'm always like, let's give God our best. And even when the worship leader is supposed to speak into the talkback mic just for the musicians to hear, and he speaks it to the crowd. A lot of you don't even know what I'm talking about. That's good. That means you missed my total blunder or whatever. So even in the midst of all that stuff, the team knows what I'm talking about. Even when you miss, you know, we do all that stuff. Um, and just in the midst of whatever, he deserves our best. But we find ourselves confined to only knowing like this much, only being able to handle about this much. And then when you read the scriptures and it talks about 24-7 worship, what does that look like? And I know the body can only take so much. You've got to sleep at some point, right? You can, you can only stand so many hours. I understand that. But there's so much that we don't know. What about the anointing? The Bible says that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. And it says that Christ, and part of what his name means, is the anointed one. There is no lack of anointing upon Christ our Savior who now lives on the inside of us. He dwells in our hearts by faith and has placed the same spirit on the inside of us who is the anointed one. And if we have a yoke or a bondage or an issue or a sickness or any kind of thing going on, we should scratch our heads and go, wait a second here. The anointed one lives on the inside of me. There's something that I'm missing. Because when you at least know this measure of his love, you know that he's not holding anything back from you. He's not a God that holds anything back from his kids. So if we're not seeing something, it should make us go, God, I need a greater revealing. Because the Bible says in, in uh, 2 Peter, I believe it's chapter, I believe it's 2 Peter chapter 1, it says that grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of him. Grace and peace. Let's just go there real quick. Let's go to 2 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Peter. 
Let me show you this real quick. And I said Second Peter, and it very well could be First Peter. I don't know why I couldn't have named it something different, but anyways. Just so we'd be confused until Jesus returns, I guess. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Uh, it's First Peter. Like I said. Nope. Pretty sure it's Second Peter. <laughs> I need to spend more time there. Someone help me out. Is it, you say, say, oh, there it is. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. <clears throat> it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So he's given us all things, right? But it comes through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. So increased knowledge will bring increased manifestation. This is, re- this is actually really simple, and I've shared these things before over the years, but I just felt impressed to come back to there's more we don't know. And if there's been a time when we need to know and see and perceive and understand what the Spirit of God is saying, if there's ever been a time, it's right now. Because people have, uh, I heard this put this way and I believe this, they have crisis fatigue. People are tired of all the this, this stuff that's going on in the world. And, you know, people, uh, there's just a lot of things that are unfolding that as believers, if we're not careful, we could get sucked into what's happening with the rest of the world and with a lot of the church that are being totally enamored and destroyed mentally, emotionally, things like that because of what's going on in the world. But you know, the spirit of God speaking to your heart and revealing things to you will keep you sane. It'll keep you sane because there's a lot of like reeling on the inside that, that people do. And it's because we're trying to understand what's going on. And do you know that the spirit of God literally wants to reveal to us what's going on? Who in here believes that God knows all, that he knows all things? Let me just see a show of hands. I want everybody that believes that. Okay, that's good. I'm going to show you something really, really important here. Let's go to, to uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me show you this. So if we believe and we know that God knows all things, then this is really, really going to, going to help us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I want to read the whole thing, but for time's sake, I'm just going to read a couple of verses. But look at this. It says, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? So right off the bat, you can look at that and realize that there are things about me and my most inward man that nobody in here knows except for me and God, but Nobody in here knows except for me. And the same is true about you. Everybody has things, they have thoughts, they have realities, they have things that they work through and they're working that only the spirit of that man understands the things of that man. Now, there are things that you can understand about me because I can tell you or you can see them, I can relay them to you some way, but there are things that you can't see and you can't know unless I reveal them to you. It's very important you understand here. It says, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. You and I do not know anything. We don't know anything about God except for things that he has revealed to us. Because only the Spirit of a man, including God himself, only the Spirit of a man knows the things of a man. 
And then it says this in verse 12. It says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So the spirit has been given that we might what? Know. God wants us to be in the know. His heart is for us to know. Amen. And so that's the reason that the Spirit of God was given to us. And in verse 13, it says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, let me just go on and read down to the end of this chapter. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? When it's saying that we have the mind of Christ, it's not saying so that we can do good on our algebra exam. Which when I went to private school, that was what they would tell us. You have the mind of Christ. You can do this. And I guess there's some application because he knows algebra or whatever it is perfectly. So... That's not unreasonable, but for me, I was always not studying, maybe just a little bit the night before, and then I'd get to the exam, and I'd be like, all right, I have the mind of Christ. Tell me the answers, Jesus. It didn't usually work out so well, because, you know, he's the teacher, but he, he will teach us all things whatsoever he, so the Spirit of God is the teacher, the teacher. He will teach us all things, this is what Jesus said, whatsoever I have taught you. So the first thing is, is you have to go to the Word, and you have to allow the Word of God to bring instruction, instruction to you, and then the Holy Spirit will make it come alive. He's the one that will bring revelation, because you can have information from the Bible put in you, but until it becomes revelation, it's not applicable to your life. But it says that we have the mind of Christ, and in context, this is very specifically talking about the things of the Spirit, the things of God, the things that are hidden that we don't know, God revealing them to us. So let me just, let me just say this, and if I, could, if I could line everyone up in here and prophesy over you right now, this is what I would say to you. You have the ability, because of the Spirit of God on the inside of you, to know the things of God. You don't need me. Now, I'm, I'm here to help you and to, to pastor you and to teach you and and you know, help you perceive things like this, but you can know the things of the Spirit. You can know the things of God. You can know what's going on in the world. You can have revelation from the Bible, and you don't need another man to tell you because you have Jesus. You have God, God in spirit form living on the inside of you. You have the Spirit of God. It would be like, and there's no way we could do this, but it would be like if you were like, I want to know what's really going on in Kent's mind. It's intense most of the time, I can tell you that. I want to know what's going on inside Kent. And it would be like, okay, well, I don't really fully know how to tell you. And for you to be able to fully understand with English words. So let me take my spirit, which again, we couldn't do this. And this sounds weird and whatever, but I'm just throwing this out. This is how it actually works with the Lord. It would be like if I took my spirit and I placed it inside of you, you could imagine you would go, oh, okay, I get you now. You're like really intense about you know, the things of God or whatever, right? You would, you would understand me. Could you imagine that? It's the same thing with the Lord. There's no way just in the English language 
that we can properly put into words all of the things of the Spirit and all of the things of God. That's why he placed his Spirit on the inside of us so that we would have a knowing. And the more we spend time with, with him, the more clear it becomes to us. I hope that makes sense. Because no man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man. So the Lord isn't just trying to talk to our head. He actually put a spirit on the inside of us to reveal, to peel back the truths, the realities of the spirit of the, of the things of God. And this is just like, you know, the Lord, when you spend time with him, he will do things to help you see beyond where you currently are. This is like whenever he met Nathaniel. And by the Spirit, he saw Nathaniel sitting by a tree, and Jesus came and approached him. And Jesus told him, he said, you are going, and I think that Nathaniel probably was a prophet or had strong prophetic gifting. He said, you are going to see, uh, I think it says heaven open, and you're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, he didn't say that to anybody else, but he did say it to Nathaniel. And so you know what he did? It was he peeled back the curtain for Nathaniel to show him something that was happening in the spirit. I believe he probably saw it with his physical eyes. I don't know. But at the very least, he was able to know and to discern what was going on. Why? Because Jesus peeled back the curtains and helped him see beyond where he currently was able to see. There is so much happening in the spiritual realm that if we can understand understand it or at least see it and allow the Spirit of God to begin bringing understanding to us, it will really, really help us. He wants us to be a knowing people. This is why the Apostle Paul prayed this in a couple different places. I want to pull this up here on the screen. Let's go to uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verses 9 and 10. Colossians 1, 9 and 10, and then we're going to go to the uh, Ephesians chapter 1 after that. But here's Colossians 1, 9 and 10. Look at this. It says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask, man, how many of y'all want a leader like that? Praise God, they don't cease to pray for you. You have one, by the way. Okay, anyways. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and what kind of understanding? spiritual understanding. It's not just, it's not carnal understanding. It's spiritual understanding that only comes from the spirit of God revealing it to you. Verse 10, it says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So there is a spiritual understanding. There's a knowing of his will. There's increasing in the knowledge of God that he wants us to to have. He wants us to walk in. And I, I think I quoted it a little bit ago, but Ephesians chapter 5 around, I think it's verse 17, it says, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And there's a lot of people, and you know, they'll pray these prayers. Lord, if it be thy will. That's the stupidest prayer you could ever pray. Now, there could be a time when you might say, pardon me, pardon my frankness. There could be a time when you might say, um, Lord, if this is your will, then Show us so we can move forward. But just to pray, Lord, if it be thy will, heal Uncle Joe, if it be thy will. Lord, help this person, if that be that. No, we're supposed to know God's will. And there's, we're supposed to act on God's will. You can't act on something that you don't know. I'm, I'm, pardon my frankness for anyone that prays that way. I, did, I wouldn't call you stupid. But it is a stupid way to pray. It just it is. We're supposed to know God's will. We're supposed to have a revealing come to us because that's why the Spirit of God is given to us. Because, see, you can, we could have had the Bible just produced, and then you know we could have had it from here until Jesus comes. And if this was enough 
then why would God have placed his spirit on the inside of us? He placed his spirit on the inside of us definitely to empower us for miracles and to preach the gospel, those kind of things, but also very clearly from the word to reveal things to us. What I'm doing right now is I'm trying to expand your, uh, your capacity to think about expanding your capacity. <laughs> I want you to get to a place where you're thinking, what, what don't I know? I mean, what don't we know about, like I was going to say, about the anointing? What don't we know about the anointing? If it has the ability to break the yoke of bondage, and we know that, but yet we still pray for people at times and we don't see bondage broken, it shouldn't cause us to go, Lord, why didn't you do it? It should cause us to go, Lord, what don't I know? What has not been revealed to me? What is my heart and my mind not comprehended to help me operate, to function, to manifest, to facilitate the commission, the gospel, in the provision that you've made. What is it that I need to know? Because remember, all things that pertain to life and godliness come to us through the knowledge of him. It's not just praying and saying, Lord, please do it. I mean, that could be a place to start, a prayer of like, Lord, this is going on. At least you're going to the right person in that, in that sense. Amen? God's, God's well able. But it's not just praying it, and then if he doesn't do it, being mad at God. There are so many people that are mad at God right now I know many, many, many people that are mad at God right now because they heard God, not only can he do it, he wants to do it for you. They prayed and the person died. They prayed and they lost their house. They prayed and they didn't get the job. So instead of us being upset that it didn't come to pass, we need to go back and we shouldn't be upset with us or God or anybody, not be frustrated, not be offended, but go back and say, Lord, what don't I see? What don't I know? You know that you can hear and you can know and you can see in the Spirit. You can actually smell in the Spirit. I don't have my mind wrapped around that one, but you can smell things in the Spirit. All your senses and the natural are parallel to uh, in the Spirit. And I've often, very often, I will see and I will hear things in the Spirit. I get words from God, and I've started getting visions from the Lord uh, more in this past year than I've ever had, just all of a sudden in my mind's eye, I'm believing that I'm going to see a, like a movie reel is going to happen m- uh, more often. I know some different people that, that do that, that operate that way. But it, nonetheless, even in my mind's eye, I'll have visions. God will begin to show me things of things that are to come or what's going on in a situation. Why? Because the Spirit of God wants us to see those things. He wants us to know those things. He wants us to be in the know so that we are not ignorant of how things work. Everything in the natural was not created by the natural. The natural is the kid realm. The spiritual realm, which we are less familiar with, and it's not that the natural realm is evil. There's a lot of evil in the natural realm. It's not that it's evil. God created it. He created the earth. He created our bodies. He gave us five senses. But we're not supposed to be so dominated by those things that we can't properly see, hear, discern, know things that are going on in the Spirit. That's why he gave us his Spirit is so we wouldn't be just mere men. Whenever people say things like, oh, you know, I'm just a man. No, if you've been born again, you're not just a man. One part of you is completely Uh, encompassed, is full of the Holy Ghost, the power of God, the life of God, the revelation of God. It's just a matter of getting that one part of you 
which is one with Jesus, which is one with the Lord, it's, it's a matter of getting that to be opened up to where it floods the rest of you, your soulish realm, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your conscience. Because we're three parts, right? A spirit, soul, and a body. That's our, that's our whole part. And so God wants us to see these things. And so let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. These are two of the, what we call the apostles' prayers that Paul prayed for the churches. And this is in Ephesians. It's one of my most favorite passages in the whole Bible. I pray this often. I pray this over you all. I pray this over Bonterre. I pray this when I go different places and minister. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now look at verse 18. And it says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. When light comes, darkness automatically goes. You know how you can tell what's inside of a room? When you walk into it, if it's dark and you don't turn the light on, unless you've been in the room before, but pretending you've never been in this room that you're walking into, if you didn't turn the light on, you would not know what's in that room. But once you turn the light on, you automatically know what's in the room. It's not complicated, but it's something we need to think about. So when there are areas of darkness, what we need is the light of the Holy Spirit, the revelation of the Holy Spirit to flip that light on and cause an awakening, to cause light to come to us so that we're no longer seeing in the darkness, but we're seeing in the light. This will give us proper understanding of what's going on in situations. This will give us proper understanding of the Word. You know, I shared on... uh, this past Wednesday, maybe it was the one before, I forget, I think it was this past Wednesday, um, in our 301 class, which by the way, 301 class is stellar, and go to 101, go to 201, get on a serve team, and then you can come to 301. Um, <clears throat> but I was talking about in Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8, you know, I, it, anyone in here ever read Romans chapter 7? I'm sure probably most everybody, hopefully you've all read it. Romans chapter 7 is arguably the most confusing chapter in the entire Bible. And I read it for years. And then all of a sudden, I was reading it, and it was like, boom. The lights came on, and I began to see. And I don't understand Romans chapter 7 fully. Don't misunderstand me. There's a lot I don't know. But all of a sudden, I had a revelation about it. I was like, oh, my gosh. The light came on. I was able to see. And what he's praying here in this verse, can we pull that verse 18 back up there? He says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, and that and then he says that, that you would know all these things, the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. But it says, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That means that, that we have darkness automatically because of this world we're in. We have darkness scales over our eyes right now. That's not very encouraging, but it's true. We all have scales, we have, the Bible says, this is a better way to say it, scales is more of a very negative thing because people are in sin or whatever, so I won't use scales. Let's go with veil, that's, that's the right word. We have a veil over our eyes to where we don't see everything that we're supposed to see. And, you know, people, like, I, I remember this one guy, he said years ago, and this was in the particular denominational church that I went to when I was younger for a season, and he had, <laughs> he operated in a gift of healing. Well, he was a Baptist church. Most Baptists don't even believe in healing. 
this Baptist church kind of believed in healing because this guy had prayed for a couple people and they got healed. And even an old blind squirrel will come up with a loose nut once in a while. And so, but he said this because whenever somebody, and it was crazy, whenever somebody was sick, you did not want to go on the board because the only way you got off the board was you died. What happened to sister so-and-so? Well, she passed away. Well, praise the Lord. She's in heaven with Jesus. Yeah, but she didn't get healed. And so don't go on the board because you're all you're, the only way you're going to come off is if you die. <laughs> Anyways. It's true. They never saw any miracles. And so, but anyways, this one guy, anytime there was anything that needed to be done as far as somebody being prayed for, they would have this guy come and pray because he would see a few results. But nobody knew how to pray with authority. They didn't know how to take the word and speak the word and command things. You don't have to have a gift to see somebody healed. You can use your authority and command healing to flow from you to that person and command sickness and disease to leave. You, you can do that. But when this guy was, was asked, like, how do you do that? He said, you know, I don't really know. I just pray, and God wants to do it. He can do it. If he doesn't want to do it, he won't do it. I mean, that was basically the answer. So everybody was sitting there in dark, like, well, I hope I'm one of the two out of 100 that get healed, if you even come and pray for me. And it's like, you know, I look back on that, and it was like they had, they were looking through a, you know, one time I was hunting. And I had a messed up scope, at least I thought, but I had my eye too far away from it. One time I had my eye too close, and I had too much powder in it, and I had to cut my eye. But anyways, it was my fault. You should take your black powder out the year before and don't leave it in and then double it up and think you only got half of what you got in there. Anyways, I had my eye too far away this time, and all I could see was just, just a little bitty. I'm like, where, where is it? And then when I pulled it closer... I got better perspective, and I could see everything that I needed to see. Sometimes we do that, and I was just using that analogy of that church I grew up in and that guy, and they only had just a little, just a little bit of a glimpse. They knew that God could. They didn't know if he wanted to or not, depending on what kind of mood he was in. They knew that God could, and they were just looking. It was just like they were looking through a scope like that, and I was just a teenager. I didn't, I didn't really know anything, you know, but then looking as I got older, I realized God does want us to be healed. He's given power and authority to everyone to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, all that stuff. Amen. So it's about getting proper perspective and being able to see properly what's going on in the spirit. And my point with saying all this stuff is that oftentimes we, we will find ourselves limited because we're operating in an old wineskin thinking that that is the fullness of God because that was the amount of revelation that he gave us in times past. And we think that, oh, we've got it all figured out. I got news for you. The greatest, most powerful, anointed ministry or people or person doesn't even have a thimbleful of understanding compared to God's massive canyon of understanding to understand. Remember Pastor Bobby telling me this story one time, and this, this really helped me. And he had gotten to a point in ministry where he had seen a lot of miracles and things. And he was kind of praying. He was praying one day, and he's, he was like, really thought he had God's love really figured out. And the Lord took him off in the Spirit, which he does with him a lot, took him off in the Spirit and showed him a thimble. <laughs> and then took that thimble and held it over a vast canyon, huge, vast. 
And the Lord poured out what was in the thimble, and he said, that's how much of my love you know compared to what there is to know about my love. <laughs> and how much do we not know about all kinds of things? See, the Lord, he doesn't, you don't just go from being saved to all of a sudden you're at the highest place in his kingdom, and you have the vast, most vast understanding. It's an increasing thing. So once we've expanded the wineskin that we have, God has more that he wants to pour out to us, but we have to be willing to stretch or to take on the new wineskin, to take on the new thing that will contain it. And you know what? Once that expands, then there's going to be another phase or another thing for us to take on to be able to contain the new thing that God has for us. And it's not that it's new. It's not that God's doing something new in terms of like, you know, going to write a new Bible or something. I don't mean that. But there is so much in this Bible and so much in the Spirit that we have absolutely, positively no comprehension of. We need the Spirit of God to reveal to us. I have not gotten very far in what I was going to share with you, but hopefully you're getting some things out of this. I'm going fin to finish here. Just give me a few more minutes. I want to look at this in Matthew chapter 13. I want to pull this, pull this up here. And then I want to I talk to you about how to access this better. So Matthew chapter, I probably didn't give you this verse, 13, verse 10. I don't think I gave this to you guys back there. Matthew 13 and 10, let's pull this up. In this particular passage, I actually quoted it, but it's found in all, not all four, excuse me, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, John skipped school that day, so he didn't write this in. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke all make this exact same statement. And it says, and the disciples came and said to him, and actually, I'm not sure what verse I want to stop at. Let me get to my, my own personal Bible here. So Matthew chapter 10, or excuse me, 13, and verse 10. Y'all doing all right? All right. It says, and the disciples came to him and said, came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? That's a good question. You ever read Jesus' parables? And it's like, Jesus, you know, I think in my mind, I'm like, Jesus, why do you just say that clearly? Well, he delights in us pursuing him. He cares more about the journey than the finish line. And so he said to them, verse 11, so they ask, why do you speak in parables? And he said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given, speaking to the ones that are not in him or would not be in him, but they are in him and were a part of him. And it's been given to them, his disciples, so us as well. It has been given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom, mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Let me show you this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. This takes it a step further. Not only are we to know the mysteries, because see, God, I, I don't have him figured out. <laughs> Nobody has him figured out. But I do have this figured out. That he's mysterious and he likes to be mysterious. He's like, he's the man of mystery. <laughs> he really is. He really is. He doesn't just say things black and white because he doesn't want people to be like, oh, okay, I've got God figured out. He's, he's too smart for any man to be able to say, I've got him figured out. But what he does is, is he, leads, he leaves breadcrumbs. <laughs> I mean, pieces of steak because he's more than enough, right? So more than breadcrumbs, but he leaves a trail for us to follow him and to seek after him and to continue going after him. And the more we pick up, the more we have. Amen. 
And it actually, if you read down in Matthew chapter 13, it says that to, uh, to him who has, even more will be given. So the Lord is looking at what we are doing with what he has already given us. He's looking at what we're doing with what he's already given us. Because he doesn't give us revelation just so that we can have revelation. Knowledge puffs up. Even revelation knowledge can puff up. Because then all of a sudden we've got all of this revelation of look at what I know. But revelation knowledge is supposed to be there for, it is there for a purpose. So how we steward what we've been given will determine how and when we're given more. Okay, look at this verse here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And it says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ Christ, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Not only are we supposed to seek him for the mystery, once we get it, we're supposed to steward it properly. Look at the next verse. It says, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So it's this that we seek the Lord for the mystery, for the revelation, and you go, well, what is the mystery? Well, it's the thing you don't understand. What don't you know right now? When you say, well, I don't know what I don't know, then you need to ask the Lord what questions you're supposed to ask of him so he can tell you, this is what I want you to ask of me. He's just funny like that. He just is. If it feels quiet to you right now, it's not because you don't have the ability to hear, and it's not because God's not speaking. You're not asking the right questions. Because what he doesn't want to do is give you something out of season. He has something right now, right now that he wants to tell you. And he knows what we need to hear. Sometimes we'll get it in our mind that we want to learn about X, Y, Z. You know, for, for years, I had been thinking, like, I really want to know a lot about end times and then... Um, and then, but I, and I felt impressed, but then I didn't do anything with it. But then all of a sudden I felt impressed to learn about end times. I still don't know very much about it, but I know more now than I did six months ago because I spent quite a few hours studying and looking into it. But it was like an answer to a question in my soul about, Lord, what about this? How is this going to work out? What is this going to look like? And the Lord's like, you're asking the right questions. Now I'm going to give you revelation about the end times. Sometimes what we want to know is not what he wants us to know at the moment. And it's not that he's going to leave us empty-handed if we're in need. God is, he is the God that meets needs. And if you need wisdom, you can ask, and he gives to all liberally without reproach. If you need wisdom, God will give you wisdom. But what in your personal life, in your own pursuit of the Lord, are you not asking God right now? You say, I don't know what to ask. Then ask him, Lord, what do you want me to ask you? And he'll say, I want you to ask me this question. Because you can see oftentimes where Jesus would say, and Jesus answered. But, often, but most of the time whenever he said that, he didn't, nobody even asked a question. He delights in giving answers to us. But oftentimes we won't get the answers we need if we don't ask the right question. You say, well, I, I wouldn't do that. If, well, you're not God. <laughs> We're not God. He's funny like that. And that's Okay. It's funny to me anyways, but the, the more I, I seek the Lord, the more I spend time with the Lord, I realize it's not funny. It's very intentional because human beings are almost hardwired to get something and then just run with it and we'll leave God in the dust. But he's just got it set up to where he's like, yeah, you ain't going to get very far without me. You can like see to the end of the road, but then you're going to get there and go, what in the world do I do? 
You know, a lot of times God will give instruction or he'll tell you something, and then we end up getting frustrated and like, why isn't this working? And we try to do all these things. Go back to the last thing that God told you. If it's quiet, it's probably because you're doing something different or not in alignment with the last thing that he told you. What's the last thing that God told you? Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and 2 and 14. We're going to look at verses 2, verse 2, and then verse 14. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I think, is, I, think I said it right. And we're going to look at verse 2, and then we're going to look at verse 14. And I didn't even get to the main thing that I wanted to, but I'm out of time. 1 Corinthians 14, because... It's one thing to know that we need to receive things from the Spirit, that we need to know things because there's things that we do not know. Whenever a man or a woman, but a human being, stops seeking the Lord for answers, they automatically, by default, have entered into pride. Whenever we stop seeking the Lord, by default, we've automatically entered into pride. Because what we're saying without saying is that I already know, I don't need to know anymore. Verse 1, actually, we'll start with verse 1. It says, pursue love, 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. Gifts is italicized. That means the writers put it in there to make it grammatically correct. I think gifts is fine. I think things is maybe better. Pursue love and desire spiritual things but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue, because he's, he's giving explanation not just about gifts, but about spiritual things and how things work. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. It's interesting to me because I've, and I don't argue with people anymore, unless I really am feeling feisty, but usually I don't argue with people anymore. But it's interesting how oftentimes people um, not you guys, but people in maybe denominational circles will say that tongues is only there for someone to give an interpretation for. Well, that's in a public setting. If there's a public tongue given, then yes, there, there should be a public inter interpretation. This here says that no one understands him. So this isn't talking about, and obviously no one understands a tongue, whether it's private or public, but it's not talking about someone having an understanding right in this particular verse. It's talking about someone who's praying in tongues. For me and you to pray in tongues does nobody else any benefit unless there's an interpretation. But when we pray in tongues, or when we speak in tongues, in the Spirit, we're speaking mysteries. Oh my gosh. I don't know about you, but I, I want to know. I want to know the mysteries of God. The things that I don't know and that I don't even know that I don't know. There's things right now that I'm like, God, I don't understand. I don't understand that. I can ask that question. But you know, there are things that we don't even know to ask God. Even questions that are a mystery that we don't even know that we need to ask Him. All kinds of mysteries. But when you pray in tongues, you speak mysteries. Look here at verse 14. It says, for if, if, if I pray in a tongue... Uh, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. And that's not the verse I wanted. I wanted verse 13. 
There we go. It says, therefore, let him speak, him who speaks in a tongue, pray that he may interpret. So verse 13, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue, pray that he may interpret. You know, I found this, I found this out years ago, and we kind of talked about this a little bit on Wednesday night. It came up, and I'm like, the Lord was leading me that direction anyways. But I found out years ago, you can pray in tongues, and then you can get an interpretation of what you're praying. And isn't that wonderful? Because if you go back in verse 2, it says that when you pray in tongues or you speak in tongues, you're speaking the mysteries of God. You're speaking the hidden wisdom of God. Because when you're talking about mysteries, it's talking about the wisdom of God, the things of God, the knowledge of God, the understanding that God has. Because when you get in a situation and when you look at the world that we're in, and you're dealing with people and you're raising your kids and you're stepping out in ministry and you're paying your bills and you're going through life, what we don't need, what you and I do not need is the, the wisdom or the knowledge of man for one more second. We need the wisdom, we need the knowledge of God, which is readily available. He will freely give it to everybody. That's why his spirit is on the inside of us. That's why he's given us the greatest force the universe has ever known, which is his spirit living, breathing on the inside of us and the mind of Christ, which is the capacity to understand and the things of the Spirit, which are the things of God. For any given situation, at any point in our life, no matter how big or how little, and all we have to do is pray in tongues and then pray for an interpretation, and we will get the wisdom of God made known to us to apply it to our situation. That's some good... Yes, you said it. I don't have to sit down and say it to myself. That was, that was good. <laughs> Amen. That pretty much sums it up about right there. Praise God for that. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.